Head here. Uh, got it. And I think as long as only. Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers Sunday Sermon. This is 4S. I'm David Johnson. Let's get started with special guest Tyler Vela. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing well. How are you? Very well. And uh, we also have uh, the host emeritus, Dale. Hello. Is it okay to say your last name, Dale? Do people know your last name? Yeah, I think people know my last name at this point. So yeah. Okay, Dale Lucifer. Welcome <laughs> to the show. Uh, no, that's... <laughs> Sorry. I didn't say share my true last name. <laughs> I have an alias. Come on. <laughs> I, uh, I shouldn't have said that. I think I was overtaken by satanic stupidity. Um, <laughs> let me... <laughs> I'm sorry, Dale, you're a little bit quiet. I'm going to adjust your uh, level here. 53.14. Okay, that ought to do it. <laughs> <All right. laughs> this is... There's so many... Tyler's just like, what the heck is going on? There's some inside jokes, Tyler. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, when I there are people I, I who are slapping their knee and splitting their side right now. <laughs> yeah, I converted with a 53.14% probability. Don't that... explain it. No, no, okay. it's, it's funnier if you just leave it alone. I'm going to have shirts printed up. And people will be able to buy them. And it'll just say 53.14%. No explanation. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to sell like hotcakes. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we've got got, uh, Tyler Vela uh, on the show. Now, uh, those of you who have watched the show this season, uh, before the break in particular, you know that I did uh, a show. Was it with Sarah? Did we... um, yeah, uh, I think it was, I think it was uh, with Sarah, and uh, we uh, discussed uh, Tyler Vela, one of his videos, talking about his deconstruction, uh, which is why the name of this show is Tyler Vela Deconstructed. I mean, he's done the deconstructing, but if we can deconstruct him some more, great. Um, and we're going to get right into this. We've got a few things that we want to talk about. And so we've got Dale here to keep us, uh, on track. We have got some people lurking in the background. Uh, so they will probably say some things in comments that you will not see on the show, but that Tyler or Dale will bring into the show if they find it worthy. That said, let's begin the way we normally do when we have a special guest. Tyler, who the heck are you? Why should anyone care? And how did you get from there to here? Introduce yourself, if you please. Sure. Uh, I'm not sure why anyone should care, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, I appreciate the discussion. Um, so I'm Tyler. Uh, I am the host of uh, the Freed Thinker podcast, blog, and YouTube channel. Um and that's been going for a, a very, very long time. It was actually a blog way long ago on like bulletin boards and LimeWire and all kinds of uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, early in doing uh, Christian apologetics, um, I uh, uh, worked my way through uh, a, a philosophy uh, program at a secular state school here in California. I was about one semester away from graduating with a double degree in English and philosophy. And I decided, you know what I want to do? <laughs> I want to go work at churches instead. Um, and so uh, I stopped that. So I was about a semester away from uh, that degree, which was, uh, I look back and I mean, life is what it is. 
Um, worked uh, bivocationally for a while, um, doing some church stuff, and then went to a small Christian college uh, in Chicago called Moody Bible Institute, the name you can trust, uh, and Probably graduated school, there. Right? Um, with a, I was a pre-seminary major, which is basically a uh, it's basically a, a biblical studies degree, uh, an academic uh, focus uh, to be able to start seminary without having to go through all the preliminaries that someone starting who is going to seminary with like a business degree or something went. So I had all the original languages and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, worked in uh, worked in church, did youth ministry, was an ordained elder in uh, the PCA, which is a conservative Presbyterian denomination. Um, and uh, was about halfway through a, a graduate degree, an academic degree in uh, biblical studies. Um, and uh, doing the doing the, the, the show, the show is largely on um it was Christian apologetics, but it had kind of morphed into just a passion project. So whatever I was studying, uh, if I did any research papers, I presented those areas of interest um, with regards to compatibilism, determinism, biblical studies. Um, I, I like doing research papers on weird, obscure Bible passages. So I did one on like the the trial by ordeal in Numbers 5. And um, so just did, did a lot of that that type of stuff and had uh, did a lot of debates in-person debates, um, online debates, dealing with atheism and naturalism and and inter-Christian issues around free will and Molinism and reform theology and Calvinism and non-Calvinism, did all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and then about, I, I guess it's going on three years now, it was about two years when I, when I made my announcement, um, started uh, having some intellectual challenges uh, with, with my beliefs um with the trinity with uh you know i i've firmly committed to classical theism started finding out that the, the god of historic christianity just was not what i was actually seeing in the bible so there's a lot of disconnect there um uh, started finding some some uh some problems with problems of evil problems of divine hiddenness uh and some other some other issues so intellectually my my belief started to erode uh but uh, I had this biblical concept of faith as as trust, and so I maintained kind of a Pascalian uh, stance where I was still committed and still trusting in um, in Jesus, and and even though I was starting to you know have have major intellectual doubts about it, I still wanted to make sure I was doing the, the what I thought was the right uh, affirmations and uh, not in kind of the you know new agey sense, but affirming the right uh, doctrines. Cause I was like, well, maybe this is a dark night of the soul. Maybe this is what, whatever it is. Um, and so uh, we, you know, was staying committed and I did that for about a year. Uh, and then that, that eventually just eroded away as well and uh, decided to, to, to end that commitment and step out. And I, I thought it was time to announce that I had, I had officially deconverted um, my, my, the, my church had known before I was, a, I had stepped down from being a, a, an elder, you know, quite some time before that, um, uh, for various reasons. And, uh, and yeah, so still, I still do this, the show, you know, I still do the, the freed thinker, the, the meaning has now changed meanings, what I'm freed from. Um, but, uh, it was always kind of a double entendre on, on being freed in Christ, but also being a free thinker. Cause I, uh, you know, I, I, I like to, um, argue and debate and and think about things without any kind of ecclesiastical, you know, authority uh, telling me what I had to. And now I'm freed from e ecclesiastical involvement also and, and some of those other things. And so I um, still do it, still have discussions 
uh, on the Bible. I still think the Bible is wildly interesting. I feel, I still think the Bible is one of the, the best masterpieces of literature ever produced. Um, I think Christianity is and Christendom is wildly important to, to not only the history of Western civilization, but the ongoing uh, future of Western civilization. So I still find these things incredibly important. I still think uh, theology is in, in, in insanely interesting um, and, and love having these discussions with very interesting people. So I still do discussions. Had one recently with... Uh, uh caleb jackson and uh and colton carlson on determinism and free will and we talked about the bible some in there and uh, i just uh, i still find this fascinating uh and interesting and important so that's who i am and where i've come and i also have two beautiful sons who i who i who i love and a and a stepson who i love very much so excellent so let me just um zero into uh the the interesting question at least the one that's interesting for me do you still believe in a god of some description yeah i do yeah okay um david i don't know if you're familiar with david kimball cook uh, he is one who has a very different religious background from you but he um deconstructed oh maybe a couple of years ago now um and um, he also maintains a uh, a God belief, uh, and he, he's someone that I consider a friend. I don't uh, talk to him nearly enough, but uh, David, if you're listening, uh, I'm I'm still here. We'll uh, we'll get together again. Um, Dale has had a chance to um, uh, talk to uh, David on his show. And, yeah, I, uh, I'll just throw in though he is the opposite of Tyler in that he's an open theist. So, uh, yeah, uh, there's differences there. But yeah, right. I've but been, it, but it's still a God belief um, yeah. of of uh, some description. And um, so, Tyler, let me let me ask you uh, zero in a little bit more on this God belief. Does this God belief include Jesus Christ as a God of some no. description? No. Okay. Um, would you describe your God, uh, your God concept as a God of the Bible or maybe a God that's compatible with the Bible? No, I, and, and actually that was, <clears throat> that was part of what, what, you know, caused all the, all the ruckus in my, in my, uh, I wouldn't even say in my worldview, cause I found that my worldview was far more aligned with classical theism. Um, so it, it's it's largely what you know if you want to boil it down it's largely what we would call you know the god of the philosophers um so a god of the omnis that's what i think of when omnis, i omnis um although well, well we'll we'll talk about some of it but uh there's the, the omnis i think i think if such a being exists he exists necessarily um that that such a being would be assay simple right all, all the all those kinds of things um i i think the, those are all still true um uh, struggle a little bit with omnibenevolence, to be honest. Um, not not sure exactly if the more I think about it, um, if those categories make sense for such a god. So um, that's a whole different question. But um, I don't think the category makes sense at all. <laughs> so. But yeah. So you know, I, so one of the things that's interesting, and and this is common uh, from what I'm hearing. For the by the way, I I'm new to this whole thing. I was not involved, so like I don't know the difference on the on the the terminology between like deconversion and deconstruction and all that kind of stuff. So I, if I use them wrong, 
I'm sorry. I, I don't know if they have nuanced. I don't, I don't think there is a wrong. I, I think um, that we're, we're all trying to figure out how to talk about this stuff. And deconstruction is just kind of the thing that has risen to the top. Yeah. And, and I know there's like a bunch of literature that's coming out. So I, I, I just, if I use it in a nuanced ways, I, I apologize. Um, the, I, I know it's someone's hobby horse, you know, somewhere that they're going to get all up in arms if I use the wrong one. But um one of the things that I find interesting about if about deconversion is that um, when, as a Christian, when you know, you know, I I, I was always I, I always thought I was a a free thinking person in the sense that I I would I would believe what I thought the evidence was the arguments were good I you know I wasn't like oh well I had this ecclesiastical commitment I was a reformed Presbyterian I was ordained in the Presbyterian Church <clears throat> if my views change fine. I just would have told my elders, my views changed and step, you know, step down from ordination and change denominations if I needed to, if I, if I needed to, if it had, you know, had moved that much or something like I didn't, I didn't have any type of external pressures to believe any, I have to maintain this specific thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but what I found was because I was like, oh, I had this, I have this super kind of Christian category that I was, um, in order to main, you know, in maintaining consistency within that system, you you start kind of having to like, it's it's like those cartoons where you start having to push down this lump. If something else comes out, you have to keep this one down and find it. Like it just becomes this like juggling act to like keep it all flat and in line. Um, and that impulse is kind of gone. I mean, I still want consistency in a worldview. I don't want an inconsistent worldview, right? I, I you know, I, consistency I think is still a, a uh, is still a vital part to any any worldview. Um, but I'm much more comfortable with saying, you know, I don't know how that works. I, I you know, I, I think there's, and, and this will come up in why I still believe in, in God. Um, I, I still think there's value in saying, I, you know, I, I think there's really good evidence for or really good reasons and, and arguments to believe in A. There's also really good arguments and reasons to believe in B. As long as they don't contradict each other, I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, I don't know. I, like, I don't know. I, so, so um, there that level there's there's some like consistency freedom in there, and and I don't want there there are going to be, you know, Christians who are out there and be like, see, Tyler's admitting he just he's just inconsistent and doesn't care. I mean, that's I, I think anyone reasonably listening is understands that's not what I'm saying. But um, there's there's like almost not this like compulsive need to be able to which and and I think this largely comes out of the apologetics community that I was in. Um, this this like compulsive need to make sure you have like everything that everything has to have this explanation because you have to be able to defend everything all the time um and that kind of ethos is is gone um and so i you know i feel much more at liberty to be like i i, I you know I, I i think there are answers in the right direction i think there's good reasons to to believe this right so when we talk about the reasons for god i think you know, God is the best explanation things without, with the least amount of ad hocness, the least, you know, the least amount of like appeals to brute facts, right? It just, I, I think it's a much more plausible answer. But if you ask me, you know, well, why is there then evil? Because all theism has a problem of evil. Um, I mean, all worldviews have a problem of evil. It's more pointed on theism. I think it's wildly more pointed on on any type of religious theism. Um, you know, I'm going to say, well, I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still working through that part of it. I don't know. Uh, so, so, yeah, I, I was just going to pull the, oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear, I was going to pull Dale in uh, at that part of the discussion. Uh, yeah, when but, Dale is yeah. done, I want you zero in a little bit more on the characteristics uh, 
of your God so that I can so that I can understand it better. But Dale, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, we, we just have an audience question that I think fits in well with what Tyler was just talking about. Right. So you, you kind of answered, you know, why did you stay a theist when you deconverted? You kind of answered that and what you just said. But you mentioned uh, as kind of a falsification, look, it, you still want logical consistency and philosophical coherence. Um, but uh, Darren asks in the audience as an atheist, a materialist, he's kind of saying, well, what if you learned about scientific answers um, for those re- for those reasons? Like, ba- basically, is there anything about science uh, and, and your knowledge of this from science that could make you abandon your theistic beliefs in any way or? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. So he, he did ask about why I said a theist and, and, and I, I, I can prep, let me, let me add just a little more bulk to that. Um, and it's largely, uh, it's largely for explanatory value, right? So I still think I'm still somewhat of a presuppositionalist in the sense that I still think having a, a mind, a personal agency, um, uh, is a far better explanation. I don't go, I don't have the impossibility of the contrary anymore, but I, I still think it's a far better explanation. Um, uh, almost in a, in a, if you think of the types of arguments William Lane Craig gives for like intentionality, right. Um, or, or if you think of the moral argument, whatever you think of the moral argument, that's a transcendental argument. It's saying that God is the necessary precondition for there to be these objective moral values and duties. Right. I still think that even if it's not a deductive argument, I still think kind of abductively, Having having God as this precondition for rationality, intentionality, laws of logic, why there's something rather than nothing, the uniformity of the laws of nature, why there's persons, minds, right? All of these kinds of features, and I find that to be an elegant answer, right? It's 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 it, it, it's it fits a bunch of the explanatory virtues, right? It's it's not ad hoc in the sense that we're not making it up to fit these answers, right? We already have this concept of God, and it just happens to fit all these things. It's simple. It has broad scope in the sense that it's one answer for all of these questions without having to gonna go to a different answer for, for all of these ones. So it has all these explanatory virtues. And I think when you do a conceptual analysis of what type of thing that would have to be, um, you know, having something that is transcendent and immutable and I'll say and necessary and and you know, spaceless and timeless and immaterial and, and all this kind of stuff that doesn't fit in the in the material kind of sense of of, of the natural. I know I know it gets weird to talk about like nat- nat- nature and supernatural and supernatural because mm-hmm. they're just not good. They're they don't they don't do it right. They're, you know, I'm not happy with those terms. But what whatever whatever we kind of are getting at by those things, I think it uh, you know God fits as the explanation. Now we can we can dig into those and challenge those and push those around and all that kind of stuff. But but I think that that's that's kind of the answer in the right direction um, for for explaining. So I still I still think it's there. As for this as for the scientific question, I, I, I should I should preface this. I mean I was I was a conservative evangelical Presbyterian like Reformed Presbyterian, right. Um, and this might sound weird, but I wasn't a fundamentalist, right? Even though I thought the Bible was inspired and inerrant, right? I'm not a fundamentalist. Like I, I would be, I would be the person that if someone who was, you know, gay or transgender came into church, I'd be so happy that they were there, um, right? I, if you know, if we had we had neighbors um, that was a that was a gay couple, and one were going through canceling, and so you know we, you know, I, I made sure we were cooking them dinners, and we were doing childcare, and we were doing like all kinds of stuff because. 
whatever what you know whatever you think of uh, of the lifestyle I'm like they're still you know for for me I was like they're still Imago Day human beings we still should love love them and and right now they are part of the least of these in this country right it is our jobs as, as Christians to love and care and support for whether or not you you agree with you know the lifestyle that person was you know, committing adultery, but they were a straight couple and one was going through cancer and had childcare, wouldn't, you know, Christians do all kinds of stuff right there. So there, there was all kinds of that stuff. I, I also, I wasn't, a, I was, I was a creationist in the sense that I thought created God created all things. I wasn't an, I wasn't an old earth creationist. I wasn't a young earth creationist. I wasn't a theistic evolutionist. I just didn't think the Bible was talking about those types of things. Right. So I didn't have a bunch of this, like, oh, well, if I found out evolution was true, my faith would be shipwrecked. I'm like, I, I, like, I didn't think that's what the Bible was about anyways, right? Because I, I took kind of a, you know, a, an ancient Near Eastern temple text polemical view of, of Genesis 1 and, and all those types of things. So I, I just, I didn't have those issues, right? So when I deconverted, it was largely for philosophical inter issues, inter-theological issues, like issue, I, I, I started to think no explanation of the Trinity makes sense. And not in the kind of crass, like, oh, well, you're saying there's, you know, if there, if there's one God and three persons, that's three gods, right? I, I think those are, those aren't good objections to the Trinity. But when you start getting into the relationship of the the Trinity and eternal generation and the, the you know, these different views uh, of how the relation, well, then you start having the son, they're all equally divine, but the son is not Asse because he, he, you know, uh, he's eternally generative of the father. And then the, 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 the spirit's not a say, not a say, because he's actually proceeds from both. And unless you mean those in purely relational terms, terms, that's going to be this, they actually have a different type of divinity. One, the father is divine by necessity. The other or, or, you know, has a saity. The other two are contingently divine, which means they have this weird attribute of being eternally uh, say divine and the contingent it just started getting all kinds of all kinds of uh all kinds of mess same with the hypostatic union right you start you start getting all these issues um with the hypostatic union and and what it means for you know the sun now in order to to maintain om omniscience the sun almost has to be right I, I you know i talked about this in terms of impeccability right sinlessness right in the divine person he's impeccable and not sin, impossible to sin, is, is eternally and immutably righteous, right? With respect to his humanity, will not sin, but could sin, which means you have this weird modal property of it, it is impossible for the son to sin, but it's also possible for the son to accrue a sin debt to himself. But now you're like, okay, but that that's a contradiction within the same person. And so now you have, okay, well, he has a human mind and a human person. So it's like, okay, well, so the son now is, is it, is it a, you know, there's a Trinity, but then the son is the person of the son subdivided into two person, right? It just starts getting so wildly messy um, to the point where I was like, now this is just ad hoc. Now the explanations, we are just creating stuff to get out of these because it just, rather than just saying it just doesn't make sense. So let me, let me, uh, I hate to get in front of this train. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I was. Uh, oh, no, no, no. It's, uh, I, I, I would love to talk about that for two hours. Uh, anyone who has listened to my show knows that's where my heart is. <laughs> so uh, I am, I'm a theology nerd. I guess you'd say I'm a counter theology nerd now, but I, I grew up in the church um, and uh, I was, I was bred to be exactly what I am, 
they just wanted me to be on the other side. But um, yeah, so I, I am what I am. We'll talk about that uh, too, <laughs> time permitting. Uh, but I want you just zero in on a little bit more about your God, because you mentioned uh, William Lane, William Lane Craig, and in your first uh, set of comments, uh, you described God in the same type of way that William Lane Craig describes God. Except I get the distinct impression that William Lane Craig's God is very different from your God. Yeah. Uh, and so we know how uh, your two God concepts are similar. Tell me how some of your God concepts are different. Yeah. Um, so this is going to get wildly nuanced um, very, very quickly because uh, William Craig is also a Molinist um, and a non-classical theist. It's sort of a non-classical theist. He would say he's a classical theist. He's sort of not a, because he starts getting into, well, okay. Hey, go ahead and briefly define those terms for uh, uh, the audience because we, we just assume when we throw around terms yeah. like classical the theist and Molinist and uh, Reformed that people know what we're talking about. And yeah. I I found that even among uh, Christians, most they don't. Yeah. Um, oh, how to briefly describe this? Oh, so so classical theism is um, uh, is a view is a view of God uh, by the the classical attributes. So uh, timeless, spaceless, immaterial, omnipotent, omniscient, omnibenevolent, but also has these other these other properties, right? Um, so simplicity is is one. So the the doctrine of divine simplicity. Um, if uh, uh, there, there's some really good um, uh, lectures by James Dolezal. Um, on, on that one, which I think are, are, are very, very helpful introduction to it. But divine simplicity doesn't just mean um, simple in that he has no divisible parts, but it actually means simplicity in that there's actually no, um, there's no discrete distinctions within God's own nature, right? So when, when we talk about God in different ways, and we talk about omnipotence, and we talk about God's actions, and we talk about God's thoughts and all that kind of stuff, those are statements of predication. Where that, that's for uh, That's our ways of describing it. Those aren't actually uh different thing different parts within god they're not actually divisible uh distinguishable things within god like we actually you know we might be able to talk about the difference between our body and our mind and our emotions and all that kind of stuff and understand those as discrete things when we talk about with god it's simply a, a, um we're simply saying it by way of predication so that we can conceptualize them, but they're, they're not, that it's not actually describing real differences in, in God. So divine simplicity. Yeah, I mean, that's funny because I don't actually think of the different things in, in humans that you just mentioned as discrete things. I, I think of us as simple in that way too. Interesting. Uh, you, yeah, you cannot be, separate a very interesting whole other conversation. And, Are you, yeah, a, I mean, you, you can't separate body, mind and yeah. emotion. Um, I mean, you can try. I mean, we have to do it for language, for communication purposes. But in the same way that you're saying, yeah, we do that uh, for God, but in, in truth, you know, he's he's one thing. I think that we yeah. are too. Yeah, interesting. That'd be a, that'd be a fun different one, conversation. Because you know, I, I was a, I'm a um, I'm not a substance dualist. I'm not a dualist, but I'm also not a monist. So I, you know, and and it's 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 also somewhat vague and abstract, but. I, I have a hard time understanding what, I, for similar reasons, I have a hard time understanding what it means to say I have a soul and a body, um, for lots of different reasons. But, uh, and I was that way as a as a committed 
Christian, uh, even before I started losing my intellectual. Uh, so don't lose your place there. I want you to come back uh, yeah. to that as you were describing uh, this stuff. Uh, Dale, uh, you were uh, trying to jump in. Oh, no, I was just going to make a kind of an off the cuff comment about what you guys were saying about the because there's an interesting debate about Tawhid in early Islam, the first few hundred, where they go into back and forth, back and forth debating this very question about is God simple or, or not? How do we explain his multiple attributes and stuff like that? So, yeah, I was just going to throw that in there as a, an interesting, an interesting point in, in, in a different religion where they had this same debate. Yeah. Okay, so uh, go ahead and pick up uh, where you were and continue with a thought on uh, how you how you differ from uh, Craig because I, I know that there are li uh, listeners right now who are who are thinking you're using all the same language. Yeah, sorry, but, but you come just, to very different conclusions about who God is. I was transferring some coffee and spill a little bit. Sorry. Uh, so um, yeah, so there there's also so there's there's divine simplicity which Craig denies, right? Or he denies at least. He, de he he would hold to divine simplicity simply in the fact that God does not have any divisible material parts. Mm -hmm. uh, so he has a very, very soft view of divine simplicity uh, for various reasons. Um, he thinks that God, um, for example, was timeless, um, but enters into time um, at creation. Um, he thinks so. That, so that's a little bit different. Um, he there there's some debate about whether or not um molin so molinism is this uh, i i probably can't do i i don't think i could do molinism in a, in a really short period of time molinism is a specific view about um god's not different types of knowledge in relationship to his creation um it's it, it's an attempt to kind of rescue sovereignty from issues of free will and determinism and and all that kind of stuff so that god actual or weekly actualizes this world based on this thing called middle knowledge he, he knows what free what libertarianly free creatures would do in any specific context and so he then kind of actualizes based on that i think there's all kinds of problems with it um but one of the problems that i think with that is that it seems to place and he's he's admitted that if you mean by contingency this thing then fine but god isn't god isn't contingent in his nature um, but some things he knows, the things that ground God's knowledge are actually these kind of counterfactuals of creaturely freedom, so that what we would do in these cases are actually the things that ground what God knows in his middle knowledge. Um, and so uh, for a classical theist, I'm going to say, well, then you have no, God is no, you can't say God has aseity. God is no longer say in the sense that aseity means that he's um, uh, he uh, he's not, he's entirely non-contingent on anything outside of himself. What about uh, personal? What's that? What about personal? I, I heard you use that word before, and one of the uh, big distinctions that is sometimes made would be a personal God who wants relationship with you and who wants things from you yeah. and wants to do things for you versus uh, the God of the deists, uh, kind of the clockmaker uh, God who makes it and winds it up but doesn't really have yeah. anything to do with the day-to-day. -day. This is where I'm fuzzy. Um, because I think God has a mind in, so I should back up. Classical theism also has a strong view of language about God. So when we speak about God, we speak about God by analogy or, or, um, uh, by, you know, anthropomorphism and analogy and all that, and all that kind of stuff. 
So when we talk about God, when a classical theist talks about God having a mind, we don't necessarily mean that, or, or, or and this came up in my, in my debate with an open theist uh, named Warren McGrew a lot. He did not get this point at all um, and became somewhat dishonest about it afterwards. But the, the, when, when a classical theist says, for example, the thoughts of God, we roughly mean we think that God has thoughts, right? But what we don't mean is that God goes through a process of thinking about things to arrive at a conclusion, right? It, God God doesn't have this kind of reflective type of thought. He has God thoughts, beliefs, whatever it is, but the there it's a different type of thing, but it's the only way that we can talk about it, right? So we have this kind of analogous language about God. Um, so when I say that God is personal, I just mean that God has a mind, God has a will, right? God, God has, God is an agent, um, that type of thing. When I was a Christian, I would have said God is personal in the sense that he wants a relationship. Um, he wants to obviously redeem you, save you, find you in Christ, love you as a father, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that the problems of evil, suffering and hiddenness have just, I don't even, I, I don't think that that's, that's not even in i don't think that's in the realm of possibility anymore um so when i say that god is personal i mean it in kind of in that that metaphysical agency sense not in god is a is my loving father who wants to you know okay so i don't i don't see how that how that differs from uh deism uh then so if yes when you say god has thoughts with the way you describe it what i hear you saying is god has knowledge you know he's all he knows everything but you know, we have thoughts because we contemplate things. We don't know everything. Uh, so I, I, well, I, I, mean, I, would say I that distinguish, you're... I just have a, a slight distinction between thinking about things and knowing things. And if you know everything, there's nothing to think about. Yeah, I mean, it comes down, it's going to come down to how you define it, right? Because if you think of thinking as the, as the, the purely as the process, then I would say, no, God doesn't have thoughts. If you think about, if you think about thoughts kind of in the sense of it's this category of, it's kind of a colloquial way to talk about beliefs. Well, knowledge just is warranted true beliefs, right? So it depends on how you kind of slice that pie. I know what you're saying, right? So if you say, well, you know, we go through that process, the moment I say, well, God doesn't have thoughts in that sense. If we mean it kind of in the analogical sense where we can talk about the mind of God and and he has, you know, knowledge and in that type of sense, well, then I think he does have thoughts that are just divine thoughts or a different type of thing. Um, so Tyler's just kind of say like, he doesn't go through the process of deliberation yeah. and, and inferring stuff kind of thing. But yeah, obviously a belief, knowledge, part of the definition, one of the components is belief and beliefs are thoughts so yeah and 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 i would and i would say the another difference is that you know even when we have knowledge um you know it's it's still it's still uh it's still contingent right we still it's still via observation right even if we don't go through the entire process right i i I think we have knowledge um as as kind of like a justified true belief that the external world exists um i still only know that by observing right by by experience and having this tactile experience and all that kind of stuff I, I i still think that even that would be analogous to talk about god's knowledge right god's knowledge of the world that he created i still think that that the, the causal arrow goes the wrong direction in that sense um Maybe. Whereas, i mean you have to think about it to know it god knows it without thinking about it um i'm not sure you have to think about it to know it to be honest there's a really great book called thinking fast and slow um 
which I which I recommend. It's it's, it's a very very interesting book because it talks about all the things that we that we all of our beliefs, all of all, all these kinds of things that are kind of uh, actually precognition or precognitive. Um, and it's it's a very very interesting book I recommend. So I so I'm I mean I'd be open to to talk about that and think about that, but I'm I'm not actually sure that we everything we know is is via a process of thought. So I I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that there, and I really don't want to. Um, but you know, look, call me. Uh, yeah, let me call me when you got six hours. Um, but I, I want to, you know, there's so much about this that I want to talk about. We've got uh, other topics to get to, but I, I will shortcut much of what I have to say and ask about this in this way, if I can, which is uh, the way you're describing your God. Uh, like I said, it really does sound a little bit more like deism than theism to me. Uh, the way I think about it. And so why should anyone care about your God? Your God is there, so is, uh, you know, a, a nebula uh, three billion light years away. Don't care about either one of them. Uh, so, uh, you know, and the nebula is vast and beautiful and great. Might even have thoughts. Don't care. So, you know, the for the Christian God, the classical yeah. God of the Bible, there's a reason to care. Mm -hmm. uh, you better care. <laughs> uh, you know, things will happen if you don't care. Uh, so tell me, why should one care uh, whether your God exists? So rather than debating you about whether it makes sense for your God to exist or not, just why would it matter? Yeah, uh, well, let me come at it from two different ways. Because So I, I don't think I'm a deist, right? Um, I, I, I think um, while it's not entirely helpful, there's problems with the analogy. I think that the author analogy is helpful, right? I'm not sure that Shakespeare was uninvolved or or didn't care about Hamlet's Denmark. Um, so I, I I don't think that God is involved in the sense of you know answering ever answering all your prayers um, in in kind of this father type of sense. Um, God God may be involved in answering your prayer in the sense of the sustainer of all things, but that that might not be the same thing. But I'm not sure he doesn't care, right? I, I would not be surprised, right? I've talked about this before. I wouldn't be surprised if, well, and sorry, for, sorry for all the stop and starts. Um, I don't think that this is true. I don't know if there's good arguments for it, all that kind of stuff. I think it would be an elegant thing. It'd be cool, whatever. I wouldn't be surprised also if we found out that something like reincarnation is true, right? Because it seems to me that that even if there is a God, maybe he likes the elegance of the story. Maybe he likes the, maybe he, in, in, in kind of this grand masterpiece sense, maybe there is this rise and fall and tragedy and triumph. And maybe, maybe there are all these elements to it. And maybe there is this sense of, you know, I, I think there's something, there is something beautiful and elegant about, uh, you know, reincarnation and, and going through all these multiple lives. Again, I don't think it's true. But you know, there, I, I I just use that as an example of there 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 could be these kind of grand narrative things that we're not able to to see on our level um, that that could be there. So I, I I don't know if God intervenes or not. Um, I, I you know I I don't know if he's active. I don't I I, I just let's, don't let's just say things. that he is. But I don't think it's in the sense of I have this personal relationship with God type of way. Right. Um, so, so I was I was just going to grant you all of that. Just yeah, God God is real. He's there. He is involved. He cares. But you don't know his thoughts. 
And if he wants something from you, you don't know what it is. So why should we spend one moment thinking about this God? Yeah. So, it, it, uh, well, I think truth is important. Um, and so I think, I think it is the case that if, um, you know, if, if Shakespeare, if Hamlet could have figured out that he was a character in a novel um, rather than, you know, whatever, then that would have been an important thing to know, even if it wouldn't have changed how he interacted with Ophelia, for example. Right. So I, I, I think these are, are interesting, important. I think they, they gear toward truth. I think if you, uh, I, I think our, our, our metaphysical commitments matter to other things within our theological system, right? I think those, those starting things pay dividends, uh, or, or <laughs> I don't know what the opposite of dividends is, ne- you know, negative, whatever, uh, whatever, um, you know, down the road on other categories that you can, you know, it's, it's like, if you put a, sorry, I think in analogies, if you put a level on a wall, if you're, you know, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a degree off, you might not see it for a hundred feet, but you're going to see it a hundred miles down the road. Right. So I think these things matter and are important. Um, they may not matter and be as important as religious people think that they are. Um, they may not be as directly important to, uh, to things, but, but I think they matter. I think they matter on the, the grand scale uh, of things. I think, you know, as we see the, you know, as we've seen the rise of, of various, um, you know, secular worldviews and things, I think there are some secular worldviews and in, in, uh, positions that, you know, even atheists and secularists don't like. Um, there, there was a really interesting paper written by a guy named Steinrucken called Secularism's Ongoing Debt to Christianity. Um, he's an atheist philosopher. Um, and he talks, he talks about, you know, uh, about how, you know, kind of Christian ideals have, have shaped positive views of secularism um but that there are these other examples where with kind of sans those you kind of get these these negative ones now it's not to say you know this isn't a you know a, a, a you know a post hoc ergo proper hoc or whatever you know right it's not saying that without christianity all secularism would always be you know stalinist russia right or something along those lines right i'm not saying that but but these things they they, they matter they 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 do shape the way that we think about things they do kind of say what what paths are open to dis- consistent discussions and which ones aren't there? Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I think that's kind of a vague way to answer it, but hopefully meaningful. No problem. Uh, Dale, uh, close out uh, this part of the discussion. That's what I was and, just going to uh, say. Yeah, I was just going to. Let's do the, let's do the, this is fascinating. I know that Dale is very interested in a lot of this stuff and Dale and I are going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I already invited Dale on my show in the chat, so he, he already. Oh, did he I didn't. I didn't see it, but yeah, I'd love to be on your show, kind of thing. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm no, inviting Dr. myself Darren. too. So, oh, I was uh, sorry, Darren. Darren did. I was I already yeah. invited to come have a discussion. Oh, you yeah, want no. Darren? Oh, okay, very well. Yeah, you no. can, you guys can come too. <laughs> hey, I'm coming. Uh, I, I, I to, love these types of discussions. To bar the door. Sounds um, good. So, all right, cool. So, <laughs> so yeah, my last question, uh, and then because we've got about five minutes for this section according to my timing, but. Um, so, so Dan, you Tyler, because geez, I, I had a clever way of asking, but you just answered that question in your last response. So I'll throw that away. But, um, one thing I guess I just want to ask you is, okay, great. Throw Christianity away and, and stuff like that. That that's fine. But I'm wondering what, why are we, I, I haven't heard your reasons as to why are we assuming God isn't this quote unquote personal being in the sense that, yeah, he does want a relationship. Like what? Why are you thinking that that isn't the case? Um, yeah. yeah. So um, part of that is um, as I think a lot of that comes from religious foundations, right? I, I think I, I call myself now 
I'm a non-religious theist, right? I don't have these like religious ritual, uh, sacred textual things driving, you know, what I think or how I act or what I believe or, or, or what that, you know, how I view that relationship with God, or if there is a relationship with God or, or, or what, you know, I, I, I now think the relationship is far more akin to Hamlet's relationship to Shakespeare. Um, the part of that is positive and negative, right. In, in the sense of our argumentation, right. Some of it is, uh, there's no, I, I just see no reason to think that it's the case anymore because a lot of the reason I came to think that that was the case was because I believed that Jesus was, you know, the incarnate second person come, you know, uh, come to, to, to redeem a relation, you know, the, and, and fix this relationship with, with God, with God and, and all those types of things. The other reason is, and, and I go into this in, in my intellectual reasons for, for not believing, you know, I've, I've just come to be convinced by arguments from divine hiddenness. Um, and I found that actually the Odyssey's I had this weird experience and I, and I, as I've talked to more people, they, they, it wasn't new with me, but I think I found a way to describe it in ways that people are like, Oh, I, that's a good way to describe it. The Odysseys actually became the opposite of helpful. Um, I found that the Odysseys rather than starting to kind of assuage some of those problems, even if they didn't solve them, I, I think the idea is they kind of start getting you in that direction. I actually found that I was like, well, if that theodicy is true, holy crap, that actually makes it way worse. Like in this other way, you may have helped, you know, you know, this much on, you know, some, something, but you just open the floodgates, this whole other world of problems that it seems way worse to me. Um, so example, like the, the, the free will theodicy is an example, right? So, um, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, the you know the, the free will theodicy this this explanation that that God allows evil and suffering because there's free will, right? Um, a lot of people are, are really convinced by this, right? And 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 maybe it's because I com I'm a compatibilist. Uh, I don't think it's a good explanation for lots of philosophical reasons. I also don't think it's a I, I don't think it's a good explanation because the problem of suffering doesn't even it, it, it the theodicy gives us an opportunity to see that the problem of suffering isn't even actually about willing, right? It's about outcome, right? So you have all these examples where, um, where you know, I, I'm going to try to not trip the sense, let's just call murder rather than all kind of the other emotionally driven ones that would trigger algorithms and stuff. Um, murder, right? Someone could freely decide to murder someone, shoot a gun, and a, and, and God could intervene to prevent the outcome from happening, Right. So he, the, you, you could easily come up with all kinds of way that God could prevent. You, you, we don't, we, you know, we can grant for argument. Oh, well, you could have these like evil thoughts and evil intentions and maybe we lie to each other and stuff. But God could intervene and stop, you know, child tr human sex trafficking and murder and genocide and all this kind of stuff. And he could do it in ways that that are in, that are entirely inconsistent with natural law, because it could just be, a, a, you know, it could just be a law of nature that any blunt object moving with any type of intentional malice behind it, or even accidental towards an image bearing human would turn into a marshmallow, right? That would just be the uniform law of nature. So you get rid of that, like, oh, well, it'd be an inconsistent universe. No, that would just be the uniform law of nature. It would just turn into a marshmallow. No one would ever die by any type of malintent from anyone else 
or and no one would ever question it by the way no because right. if that's how it always worked then that's just nature yeah that's just nature right but people could freely choose to shoot guns yeah right yeah, so I totally free will agree. doesn't even get at the problem of it and then so then you start asking well so then if god could do all that but then doesn't intervene to prevent child sex trafficking or murder or whatever it is right then you have to come up with all these other things right because now it seems that god knows that that's good that's going to be the outcome doesn't want it to be the outcome could prevent it from being the outcome and maintain freedom but still doesn't which of uh you know an evil voyeur god feels worse than you know than than a god who decrees things and and determines that that happens but has some type of redemptive moral value you know redeeming you know whatever for it right whatever you think of that explanation like you you've 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 gone you've gone you know five centimeters with your free will answer but you've opened this whole door to that voyeur god being much 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 worse um and so i i i can go through all the theodicies i think each one goes five centimeters forward five miles back um and so i i, I all I, and, and and for all of that i can't understand what that means for god to be like a loving father then at that point so i i think i think these types of things divide divine hiddenness and problems of evil and problems of suffering actually give positive reasons to think we're not in that type of relationship with god um, because if we were holy hell that's awful Hey, so, Dale, uh, I take take like one or two minutes and have the last word on that. Okay. Uh, okay, cool. Um, well, I, I just wanted to very quickly ask, don't, you, you don't need to give a long answer, but in terms of um, the theodicies that you were saying, um, so everyone, David knows it, and I'm not going to mention it here. I'll just say it has the initials MD for my answer, right? But um, so you mentioned that all the theodicies uh, go about five centimeters, but there's this huge gap in between. Now, my... Uh, theodicy, or really it's a defense. Um, I call it the Molinistic defeater. This incorporates multiple type, right? So free will is a component kind of thing. Although I, I don't agree with Richard Swinburne's mechanistic argument that you refuted there, but there's free will is an element. It's, there's also this element of soul building and self, saving as many souls as possible. But so I just wanted to say, do you, do you think that people that kind of have a cumulative theodicy that involves multiple components do you see them as doing better or do they only go five centimeters like yeah so i'll give you my my short cheeky answer first and then i'll give you a little bit more robust uh i think putting five bottomless buckets inside of each other doesn't miraculously hold five bucketfuls of water um so no uh, i don't i don't think it helps um because i think Again, come on my show. Let's have a discussion. I, I I think that often to hold the the when have you ever talked to someone and they hold one answer and you push to rescue that one, they have to go to another answer. But in order to hold that answer, you kind of have to undermine your original answer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. I find that experience every time I talk to someone who has these kind of like cumulative theodicies. Right. So in order to defend the 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 free will one. Um, you, you to rescue it depending on what you're talking about you have to go to like consistency one but in order to in order then well i could say well it'll give you a lot of nature of consistency oh well then it's going to be the soul building one well if it's a soul building one then why is like the victim the victim isn't going through soul building oh it's this ultimate redemption one well why can you just go to ultimate redemption oh because you have to have free will to get like it just it, 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 it so yeah I, I don't think the cumulative is that helpful gotcha Perfect. i get the intent behind it 
And I can see why people would, but I think at the end of the day, no. Gotcha. All so right. yeah, let's, uh, let's jump to the uh, question of whether or not there is a good reason, or whether there are good reasons to stop believing in a, um, in a faith. Um, I, I think that I am going to present the reverse Craig uh on this one uh the the full frontal craig would be oh, Monty. lower the bar for belief don't let all these skeptics uh talk you out of your faith uh in in order to believe uh in the christian god and the christian propositions you should lower the bar not raise it i am going to say that i believe that in order to stop believing, you don't need heroic reasons to stop believing. You should lower the bar <laughs> to stop believing because skepticism should have been your default position all along. Uh, skepticism, not the same as cynicism. Um, skepticism should have been your default position all along. And if you find that it was not your default position, uh, then you you should change your orientation so that skepticism becomes your default position and develop good reasons to believe. And if you cannot do that, you should absolutely walk away from faith. I will just go ahead and add this uh, to round off my thesis, and I will open the floodgates. The reason it you shouldn't have to sweat that much to stop believing is because if there is the kind of God you believe there is, I'm, you, the, the listening audience who are Christians, classical, uh, mainstream Christians, if your God actually exists, it should be almost impossible <laughs> to stop believing. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, uh, telling you, uh, you know, reinforcing your faith and and Christian ideas and, and beliefs as is described by the senses divinitatis, uh, but you don't feel that, you don't you don't actually you're not conscious of that happening and aware of anyway, then it's perfectly fine for you to stop believing. If that thing was there, you shouldn't be able to. Uh, you know, the same with other things. Let's say that you got the wrong information about God and the God that you believe in is horrible. I've heard this uh, many times. Christians say, well, I wouldn't believe the God that you believed in either. Okay, great. But I have spent my life studying uh, God from different perspectives and listening to all kinds of people. Uh, let's say I got the wrong idea about God before I stopped believing in God. God could have intervened and led me to the right beliefs about God but he didn't do it. And so you see the problem with the Christian God is there's magic that should keep you from leaving. There's there's magic that should make the God knowledge so upfront and center for you that it's practically impossible for you to do it. And so if you don't have that keeping you in there, then your skepticism should be your default position. And you should ask yourself, wait a minute, why don't I feel this sense is divinitatis? Why don't I feel uh, the uh, blessed assurance of my salvation? Why don't I feel the presence of God uh, when I talk to him and study and pray? 
so yeah, I, I think that almost any reason is a good reason uh, to walk away. And there are very few good reasons to go toward faith. That said, um, you know, I think that I uh, it would be entertaining if Dale and uh, Tyler just had some conversation on this, because I would love to uh, love to hear uh, the perspectives of, of both of you here. Uh, are there good reasons to walk away? Uh, Tyler, uh, if so, what kind of reasons are good reasons to walk away? You're muted, Tyler. Uh, yeah, I'm back. Sorry. Uh, I, I missed about... 10 seconds of what you're saying but i think i got i got i got i got, I got it um some for some reason zoom just kicked me out i don't know why. um the yeah i think i mean i think there's good reasons to to walk away i've walked away so um i you know i think um i think there are, are lots of good reasons um to to walk away from from faith and belief um i will oops you're i did, uh, I did lose you froze uh, your audio uh, hey, Tyler, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Try uh, killing your video and see if that helps uh, with your bandwidth. In the meantime, I'm going to throw it to Dale and uh, we'll get back to you when, you're, when your audio is back. Yeah. So, so in terms of the question, are there good reasons to walk away? Um, as a committed Christian myself, this may surprise you, but I agree with Tyler. I think that there are. And I myself did walk away. I, I mean, this is forgotten by the skeptics on on SNS sometimes. But uh, I mean, remember back in 2010 or thereabouts, uh, I thought I had sufficient reason uh, to doubt the truth of Christianity, and because of that, I didn't believe it. So I walked away, and that's what you're supposed to do. So a reason is just and any uh, reason that overall gives uh, you an overall probability that Christianity is is false or let's say you're just agnostic you you don't have enough reason to say yeah Christianity is probably true that's good enough for you to walk away because you don't believe that um so I I take a strict evidentialist perspective on this and I think that the sufficiency threshold is more than 50 percent. Um, I don't go, I disagree very strongly. And I was shocked a little bit when William Lane Craig is bringing in kind of a pragmatic encroachment approach or, you know, some other philosophers, uh, moral encroachment. Um, I don't think that the, these positions are, are correct, epistemically speaking. I think that we should base it on the reasons, on the evidence. Obviously, the the reasons that we have have to be warranted. I mean, you, you can't just, well, I ate pea soup today, therefore Christianity's false. No, that's a stupid reason, right? So, but it has to be based on the evidence, I think. I, I don't think we can take into consideration pragmatic stuff or moral considerations. And then because of that, oh, okay, okay well, 10% is good enough for me to believe. On the flip side, I also would scold atheists and skeptics because you you also are just as bad as Craig on the opposite end. You'll say, well, unless it unless it's proven beyond reasonable doubt, I'm not going to believe. I need 95% proof or or whatever it is. No, it, it's got to be on the evidence and strictly on the evidence. And if it's more probable than not, you believe. If it's 49% or below overall, then you disbelieve. If you're 50-50, then you should remain agnostic and just suspend judgment until you have further evidence. So that's kind of my general take. But 
my answer in a nutshell is yes, there can be good reasons to walk away. Tyler? Sorry, I, I, I dropped and uh, came back. That's on okay. That's, that's why I, we I have Dale. He's he's great filler. I, I joined. He's actually more uh, than great filler. Just I joined it on my phone too. So if if for some reason my computer drops again, I, I'm just going to go on my on my phone and and uh, and do audio only. Yeah, don't don't did worry. You hear, did you hear my answer? Or? Yeah, I, I heard your answer. I, I think I'm I think I'm largely in agreement. I, I you know I I don't know. It could it could it could be wildly unnuanced and unphilosophical of me. I I just kind of go back to you should believe or not believe what you think is reasonable to believe or not believe. Um, and that's not always going to be, you know, that's not, you're not going to get like this, this massive surge of, of, of certainty. You're not always going to have like the, the world's best evidence. You, you have to go, you're going to go on probabilities. A lot of time you're going to go. I mean, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, like in a vacuum, we would love to be perfectly reasonable and rational, that kind of stuff. But a lot of times we're going on kind of like gut impression and, and, uh, and what, and what feels right is, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with seemings and intuition as, as, um, as viable reasons for, for belief or, for, or believing in a certain direction. Um, you may not have certainty. You may not be able to, to defend something, but, uh, you know, I, I think that that's something like that is 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 OK. So um, I, I think, though, uh, unless you have Tyler, defeaters for things or whatever it is. So. Right. But I mean, let's leave defeaters um, out for the moment uh, because we can get uh, mired down as as past shows have, have done there. Um, I, I think it's it may be slightly more nuanced than that, but maybe not much more nuanced. I, th I think the thing that you uh, your answer and that Dell's answer are not incorporating are the claims of Christianity and the seriousness of those claims. Uh, if someone comes to me uh, on the street and asks for a couple of dollars uh, because their car ran out of gas and uh, they just need to get some gas money, uh, I'm skeptical. Uh, I mostly don't believe them. I've encountered this story many, 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 many times. Um, you know, I, I, you know, people have lots and lots of ways of panhandling. Uh, and that's one of them. And I don't have to get proof uh, that their story is true or false. Because the only thing on the line is a couple of bucks. So if I've got it and I'm in the right mood, maybe I'll give it to them. If, I, if I'm not in the right mood, I won't. It doesn't matter. It's a couple of bucks. Give it to them. Uh, they lied. They wouldn't drink a beer. So what? If they come to you and ask for a thousand dollars because they were on their way to see their uh, dying grandmother and someone waylaid them and stole their wallet and they, they took their plane ticket and they just need to, 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 you know, get another plane ticket to go see grandma before she dies. Uh, I'm going to tell them to beat feet. Uh, because that's where my skepticism, uh, you know, it, it's skepticism both ways. But here I need way more to go on than your sob story. Because sob stories are a dime a dozen. Um, so I think that you have to take into account the claims of Christianity. Yeah, you, you can believe it if you're, you know, if you think it's probably true or disbelieve it if you, if you think it's not probably true. But I think the claims are more than that. Uh, the claims of this God and what he can do in your heart, in your life, in your mind are stronger than, eh, believe it if it seems right to you. Uh, it's stronger than that. And so 
your belief has to be uh, uh, to take those claims into account. Also, you're out a lot more than a couple of bucks. You're a lifetime of servitude to a god and sacrifice of maybe some things that you want to try to steal, follow still small voices and you know go on a mission trip or whatever instead of pursuing your doctor degree, whatever it is, it's a lifetime of service to this God. Uh, that has to be taken into account. And so I think that because of these things, um, there should be, in fact, a stronger degree of certitude emanating from this God who gives us faith in the first place. Uh, that it is true. And if you don't have that, even if you think eh, it's more probably true than not, but you, you, you're kind of 51% on that, that's not what the promises and claims lead you to expect. Am I, uh, because you involved me as a participant, am I? I involve you in a participant, okay. sir. <laughs> All right, if it's okay. So I, I would just want to say, so that's understandable, right? But the, remember, there's a difference between the epistemology question about belief uh versus you know the pragmatic question oh, okay well I, what am i actually going to do based on this belief um and stuff like that so i think you need to separate that out right because sure maybe if you're uh mike lacona has a in his book on the resurrection has a great example of um a risk assessment view right okay well let's say all the evidence points to this stock is probably being a good Thing. you're 55 percent let's let's just say that's what the evidence supports that you should invest in it um well either regardless of you investing one dollar or you investing all of your money it's still the evidence still warrants you in believing that you should invest in this or it would be a good investment um now the fact that we may be illogical and emotional and and be very yeah but is that good enough for me to actually commit and and invest in it that could be a different question right like just like in in the law um we can still believe oj was guilty even if um we can't commit to it because it didn't meet a certain thresh practical threshold for us to do something on it um so you can you can separate those out um obviously for me as a pure evidentialist i might have an issue and say that no you should follow the evidence where it goes kind of thing right but um someone could make that distinction um also there is a question do you want uh, brian asked b asks a question for me actually um about what it, what i was talking about with these probabilities so he makes a good point i've critiqued dale's approach here before because it's way too binary in construction and implies way more precision in measurement um, landing at exactly 50% in order to be agnostic just doesn't map to the bluntness in how we perceive the world and firm beliefs. Um, so I'll agree with Brian um, in what I said. It does sound that way, but I'll just remind him that actually I, I'm not requiring precision in that way. Remember, I operate in terms of prob uh, probability ranges. So there's the reasonableness range and stuff like that. And it's debatable, but there could also be this agnostic range. Um, I put that, you know, between 55 and 45%, that kind of range where, you know, some philosophers like Liz Jackson, who's my epistemology professor during my master's, um, she might say that, okay, well, it, it is rationally permissible. If you are at 45%, you don't have to disbelieve. Um, you could even believe it within that agnostic range so that, 
there could be like my what I'm saying could be consistent with that. Um, yeah, I, I just sort of lean towards I. I think that the most um, consistent approach is to just look. We we have this obvious sufficiency threshold of fifty percent that everyone can agree on. That makes sense. It's it's more if it's fifty one percent, it's more probable. If it's forty nine percent, it's improbable to that degree. And I think it just makes more sense to apportion your beliefs accordingly rather than saying you know, be making up these arbitrary things where, you know, well, why 45 to 55? Why not uh, 40 to 60? Or why not an, a larger thing? There's just a lot of arbitrariness, I find, when you bring in pragmatic or moral considerations and try to arbitrarily say, well, okay, I need this much before I'll let, believe or disbelieve. Let me give uh, Tyler the last word on this, but I, <clears throat> I want to throw in uh, this thought, Tyler. I, I think that one of the my objections here isn't really being addressed, and it's probably because I'm not making it well. Uh, so I will try uh, one more time as I toss it to you. Uh, by putting it in a kind of a calculus, a probability calculus, all the onus to believe is on the human, and it's just a it's it's almost a matter of guessing. Um, I I. I see this amount of evidence over here for, I see this amount of evidence against, I'm not sure, but I, I'm going to make a guess. And that, that's that's kind of, um, all of the onus is on the human to do that. But I know for a fact that Dale doesn't believe that. <laughs> and a lot of Christians don't believe that all of the onus uh, is on that. One of the one of um, the objections on, on the board, uh, we were discussing uh, this to some degree uh, in this past week, uh, uh, posted by a Christian who who disagrees with Dale uh, on this, uh, I would have to agree with them on this, uh, which is that if we are going to be consistent about what Christians say is true, we don't believe based on our coming to the right understanding of the right facts. We believe because God gives us the gift of faith and without God acting there is no faith and my contention is that if God is acting in that way that gives us faith we ought to have more than a good strong guess we ought to have something more like certainty so uh, you've got the last word on this uh, we'll jump to our last topic sorry I'm uh... I'm just gonna. I'm trying to fix my computer. I'm gonna leave my computer. I'm just on my phone now. So I hope this. Okay. Hope this. You can. Can you hear me? Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, yeah. So I. I think I understand your question now. I, I had a different answer um, because I thought you were asking something different. Um, my my initial my initial thought. Oh, I'll, I'll just say because I thought I thought you were asking something different. My 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 initial answer is just going to be well. I I think that there's kind of a difference between a top down. Um, uh, way to understand things and a bottom-up way to understand things. And I think the the Christian or the religious person or in, in you know, in, in the people at other views are going to, are going to think much more top down, right? They're going to say, well, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't think about this whole, like going to heaven, going to hell thing as like the starting point of, of the discussion, the impetus for it, right? It falls within the context. So if I have reason to believe that there's God, if I have reason, you know, and then they, then they think, well, they're, then they're, you know, they believe the resurrection is true or they had some religious experience or right. That, that all kind of is, is upstream of the, the warranting river, so to speak. 
Um, whereas when I, I think when the, the the skeptic of the atheist comes along and says, oh, well, you know, you want me to believe and you have, the, you know, believe or you go to hell. Right. Well, you're you're like 100 miles downstream kind of looking up and saying, well, why why should I go upstream to your to your you know springhead? Um, you know, from from this starting starting point down here. So I don't I don't know if that kind of makes sense at all. But I, I I think you're kind of looking at it from different directions than than really how they would understand why they believe what they believe. As far as your other question though, um, about you know God God needing to to act first, right? I mean I, I mean I point this out um, now, um, and I pointed out previously, although I, I I cared a whole lot more about heresy when I when I was you know uh, an Orthodox Christian. Um, and, and that's that, uh, I mean, Christianity in, in the Orthodox sense, right? Historic Orthodoxy has, has affirmed that, that God does have to act first, right? Whether it's illumination, if you're a Roman Catholic, enlightenment, if you're some type of Arminian or Wesleyan of regeneration, if you're reformed, right? There, there's always this kind of view of, uh, of this, some kind of provenience, some type of provenient grace, whether, you know, however weak or strong you think that is. Such that without that, the you know the person who's dead in sin cannot cannot freely believe on, on by their own yeah you know the, by their own ability on, on, on power, right? The 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 denial of that just is you know that that just is the Pelagian controversy, right? Now now one might say well you know Pelagianism or semi-Pelagian shouldn't have been condemned like we shouldn't consider it a heresy that's fine but then that's a whole different can of worms. Right. But I, I think to your point, if you're if we're going to say, OK, well, we're going to we're going to deal with people who are kind of, you know, cr you know, Christian in this historic sense. Yeah, I think there really is a problem of saying, well, you know, I, if, if someone doesn't believe. Right. Um, you know, how are they responsible, you know, for their for their not belief? I, I don't know if that's kind of where you're where you're getting to or yes. why they'd be responsible. Right. So, yes. And it, and, it, and it ties into how I started this off by reasons. Uh, for not believing, almost any reason being good, because it shouldn't be possible for you to not believe. If, yeah. If if you take the claims of Christianity seriously. Yeah, and I and I, I think you you've mentioned this before, and and you you said it in a very eloquent way that I was trying to get at in my first series. Um, you know, is is Schellenberg has this idea of non-resistant non-believers that shouldn't exist if if kind of this all loving God exists. And you pointed out what I, what I was getting at way better than I did. Um, just that, well, you can make a stronger claim, right? Non-resistant apostates like me shouldn't exist, um, right? It, that, that, that's, that's a very different claim because someone on the inside who, who is believing and who wants to believe and all that, you know, all that kind of stuff, apostasy shouldn't happen um, for, for, for various different reasons. Um, now, I, I think that there is a response that they can say, oh, well, um, you know, you're still responsible for the same way that, you know, a warden, you know, people in prison, they still go to prison because they, they, they're guilty of the bad things they do. It's not, it's not somehow unjust for the warden or the president to not pardon everybody and only to pardon some. And there, I think that's, I think that's a valid criticism. The problem though, is that I think if Christianity is true, the, the, the the warden and the president aren't analogous to what we see the Bible presenting God as, as the loving father, the one who sets up the whole system, right? The, the warden and the president aren't guilty or unjust because they didn't pardon you, because they didn't set up the entire system, 
They didn't they didn't make that the rules. They they didn't they couldn't have omnipotently intervened throughout your life to prevent you from doing those crimes in the first place without violating your freedom. Right? They're, they're, it's just it's just not analogous. Right. It gets at that one small principle. This is that that five centimeters forward, 500 miles back. Right. Yes. It, it says it shows why it wouldn't be unjust if it was, you know, it, to 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 pardon some and not others. But then it opens up this whole problem of, yeah, but God is supposed to be your loving father. And I can think of a billion ways that if, you know, if, if my son was playing, no matter how much he hated me and it was do it despite me, was playing in the middle of the freeway and was going to get crunched by a truck. I don't care about his soul building and his free will and all that kind of stuff. If it was in my power to prevent him from getting hit by a semi truck, I would do it. Um, and I wouldn't set. And then if you if you push back and say, okay, well, even God even set it up so that there would be semi trucks and freeways and all that kind of stuff, right? It just that that problem just compounds and compounds and compounds. So I I I, I think the answer that you're getting at, uh, or the question that you're getting at, is a is a good one, and the the answer is generally given, don't overcome. So I, I don't know if that kind of answers and advances at the same time yeah so we've got one more topic i do want to uh be fair to dale though first of all uh, dale if you can um you know close out this thought in a minute or two and if there's anything in the comments that uh, you think should be brought in hit me um yeah so i guess about like what tyler was just saying so again, I, I obviously I, I disagree with Tyler. I don't think that this is an issue and it relates back to that Molinistic defeater. And I think I, I'm trying to remember the words, the way that Tyler worded it when he was describing William Lane Craig. Because remember, middle knowledge entails in a way that God, I, I wouldn't agree with this terminology, but this is the way Tyler said it, that God's not Asse. He He's not the one that totally sets it up. Our libertarian free will restrict God in a sense as to which worlds are feasible for him to actualize. So I would say that God God is sovereign in that, yeah, he chooses to actualize a world and therefore the sets of circumstances that he knows in advance will tr make uh, will um, uh, be conducive or influence us to make the choices that we do. But again, he's not determining that in advance because it's our what God knows our we would freely choose to do, that's really de uh, determining God and and kind of influencing God as to okay, well, which world is the best world for me to actualize? So, I I think uh, that kind of can, avoids the problem of this. Yeah, well, God's the one who sets up the rules. Well, no, he's not. He, he's in part he is, but he's also not us say as Tyler would would put it as well. So well, yeah. can I can I I know we want to last word. Can I can I push back on that some though? Sure. Yeah, you're, you're the guest. So so I I don't know if you if you've watched I've done a lot of content on Molinism. Um and and you know I I I could push back on that in about 20 different ways. But but let me push back it on this way. Okay. Right? Um ignoring the free will question, why is it the case that the that that God's creation is set up such that um, uh, sin is corrosive, right? To, sin sin is sin is corrosive to nature. Um, sin is corrosive to our 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 human nature. Um, could 
could God have not set up the metaphysics of his cosmos differently? You know, with, you know, put a pin in the free will question. Mm-hmm. Right. Why, why is it the case that when Adam sinned, his posterity, his nature became corrupted and his posterity came? Why is it? Why is it that God created the devil in the first place? Um, why, why is, why is it that God placed the, 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 you know, the, the trees in the garden, so to speak, whatever your view on that is that that represents right there. I, I, I just, I, I find it the, the, the free, again, this is where the free will answer just doesn't, doesn't even get to the real problem of it. And that is that God isn't I mean, besides the fact that I think it's wildly problematic and there's all kinds of other problems with saying that, that God is restrained by, by something or, or to say that God is omnipotent, which means that he can do all, any logically possible thing. And so there's logically possible worlds where we all freely choose to believe. I, I don't, I don't, I, I think the distinction between feasibility and, and, and possibility when you're talking about an omnipotence, God is, is largely meaningless. But besides that, God set up the metaphysics of this creation. He actualized this world and not some other world. He is not this kind of passive confined uh being that i think molinism needs for that the molinistic defeater to even have a chance of going through gotcha yeah well so i would just respond so in one sense okay just restricting it to the corruption that sin has on the human the person the sinner themselves um i don't think it is logically possible for god uh to have created us differently no that's just a necessary fact that the sin the sinner contaminated by sin will have these things just like a disease will have these necessary symptoms i do agree with you that okay maybe well why is creation god is actively kind of uh if you're taking the genesis thing just literally right like okay now there's there's certain consequences beyond the sinner themselves that god is setting up the system in advance and my answer to that is is what the molinistic defeater ultimately is in a sentence the end goal it's this outcome god wants to save as many free will creatures as possible and that's contingent on us making a free will decision in order to be saved so that's for me where the free will aspect comes in but um yeah the and it just so happens to be that there is no feasible world where more souls freely choose to be saved than this world um, so that's why God had to do it this way. That the Satan, the creation being affected by Adam's sin, uh, this is all necessary in order to get that end goal. Any other changes in the system, less souls will be choose to be saved. So yeah, I, I, I well, I mean, I, I would love to, I would love to keep having this discussion, but I mean, I, I would just say, well, I mean, I, I can think of the world. Don't create Satan problem solved right i mean you you think you you clearly think as a molinist that adam had free will right so if adam had if adam has free will right he would have continued you know his progeny would have had free will all that kind of stuff get rid of satan get rid of the serpent you know Bob, bob's your uncle there you go there's no fall and and adam and eve ostensibly would have still procreated they still would have got everything and now you have nearly you know a potential infinite amount of people that that would you know they would have the same freedom Adam had, and they, there wouldn't have been a fall. They would have been saved. Just don't create Satan. How do you? Uh, there still would have been a fall. It just would have happened differently, right? Maybe. So, do you, so, so that's my other question. Then, do do you think the fall? There's no logically possible world 
where the fall wouldn't happen. I think there's a logically possible world. I, I also think there's a logically possible world where God sins as well. So I'm different from you there oh. and stuff, right? But there's no metaphysical. This is why that distinction is 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 uh, important for me because there's there is no feasible world. Um, so then, so then, do you think free will? Lots. Sorry, I, I don't mean. If no, you can no. give me like five minutes on this discussion, do you think free will logically necessitates evil? Like you, no. you cannot have libertarian free will without there being. Like there, there's no feasible world where there's free will and and no evil as an outcome. Well, there's no feasible world where, uh, I th I think that there are. So, sorry, say that again. There's no feasible world where there's no sin and what? Yeah, just just given 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 libertarian freedom, mm -hmm. right? It 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 is it is uh, it is incontrovertible that there will be a fall. There there will be sin. There will be evil and suffering and, and and pain. You can't you cannot have a world with libertarian free creatures and be and 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 there be and it be sinless. I'm not sure about that trans world depravity because there could be possible worlds where there are just six people that are great. I mean, certainly the angel Gabriel proved that free will creatures can choose never to sin. So I, I think that is a feasible thing. It just comes down to the question of, yeah, but how many souls are all free will souls are ultimately going to be saved. And maybe there are feasible worlds where there are only six people or 6,000 and they never sin, so it's a perfect world, no fall, great. But this world is better because with the fall, we have five million or fifty billion, whatever the number is. God knows, I don't know. But but if but if there was no fall and we weren't fallen in Adam in the biblical sense, right? Because the the the, the Bible clearly views Adam as, as the covenant representative that brings sin and death into the the entire world. Let's say let's say you, 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 again, Adam doesn't fall, the federal head doesn't fall. I guess I would push back and just be like, I, I, I don't see how you, you have the fall. And then you get into all kinds of problems. Well, maybe maybe 10 generations down on this branch, those people fall. But then the other people don't have a sin nature. So, so you know, you, you'd still have, you know, branches and branches and, and this, this ever compounding or, or, or you know, growing, uh, you know, uh, branching of, of unfallen. You'd have a nearly limitless number of, of, of unfallen I, I, I get I guess the, the the out that you're trying to provide I just I, I think and this is where this is where I I, I generally push back on Molinism. I think that Molinism puts a certain view of, of libertarian free will as a starting point tries to work out the system I think it ends up being wildly I, I could give it a hundred reasons why I think it does problem but at the end of the day I also think it's just it's trying to rescue a certain biblical view of something and I think it ends up doing things that are wildly unbiblical <laughs> Um, and this is one of those cases. I think the Bible very, very clearly shows whether whether it's whether it's Genesis three, whether you're going through in, in some of the Psalms, whether you're going through Romans five, whether you're you know all these kinds of things. Adam is the is the is the federal representative. He is the one that the fountainhead by which sin comes in. The that the 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 corrosion happens to him and his posterity. Let's say Adam and Eve didn't follow the serpent. You you have the next generation. Well, you it only affects that branch. Maybe because they're not even the, that branch might not even be the federal head. So why? Where is the inheritance from? Right? It just it creates. Th this is where I'm saying you you've given a five centimeter answer, but now you've created five miles of problems. Does that make sense? 
Uh, okay. That's to David, apparently. Yeah. I, am, I am creating a rainfall here because I am going to have to rain on this parade. Okay. Um, Sorry, bring it in. Bring but, it in. Dale, Dale, come I, on my show. We'll talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this this is a show. And uh, trust me, Dale and I have had this show a few times. I think I would enjoy just being a fly on the wall as Dale discusses this. Uh, with someone else, I know that Dale is probably thinking, "Did you share some notes with David?" Because I've I've made some of these uh, arguments, maybe not quite as well uh, myself uh, with Dale. So I know that Dale has some responses uh, to this, and I know that there are responses to the responses. It's a great show. It just doesn't happen to be the one that we're having right now. So <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry. Um, and, and no, I'm the moderator, so that's my my problem. But uh, yeah, I I I, I, I let you. Uh, be the not moderator and so i was the one who had to have some responsibility and that's always a mistake when it's left up to me um but uh here we are look this this last topic it's very it's actually very simple i think not very controversial it's just one that i don't have an answer for and so i mostly threw this one in for me which is once a person decides that they have deconstructed they have walked away from their faith and religion or faith in god or whatever what should they do next now it, it this seems like um if a person was only um kind of nominally a, a christian only marginally a christian then there's no big change when they decide that they're not going to be a christian i mean it's not like they devoted their entire lives to the study of the Bible or, you know, having discussions about this stuff. I mean, so whatever they were doing before is what they're going to keep doing most likely. However, if you have someone who was far more involved, someone like myself, for instance, who uh, was a, a preacher and has been some form of leader in the church uh, from a very young age, uh, the church is all I knew leadership in the church is all I knew public speaking and uh, performances is all I knew um, what where, where do I go from there well apparently I didn't go very far because uh, I started blogging I started podcasting I started you know I started doing all of the things that I would have you know that are maybe analogous to some of the things I would have been doing as a Christian so I, I didn't I didn't go far away at all Tyler uh, you know, a a person, uh, a man of study, a seminarian, a person who is a you know a leader in the church, uh, doing uh, podcasts with the public ministry. How far did he go? Still doing the same podcast. Um, Dale, uh, you I don't know what stage of Christianity you would have been in when you walked away. Uh, I'd be curious to know what you did uh, when you walked away. I don't want to hear a list of sins uh later um but um you know what you know what we did may not in fact be the healthiest thing to have done and um when people write me about this yeah you know i've i've been a christian i've i've decided to uh, that you know i'm i'm no longer a believer what do i do i don't know i have no idea i i've got a feeling that i've got the balance all wrong but I have no idea what to do with myself. I've tried to do other things. I've tried to just ignore theology uh, and leave it. But it's it's a huge chunk of my brain. I would need a lobotomy uh, 
to set it aside. And yet I, I still don't know if the thing that I have chosen is the healthiest of things to do. So I, I, uh, I'm curious from, from both of your perspectives, when someone is, you know, decides that they're done with it, you know, they're a stamp collector, uh, and they've collected thousands and thousands of stamps and they finally realize, you know, collecting stamps is stupid. Why would you continue studying stamps? Which is <laughs> basically, basically, um, uh, Tyler and I. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna start with you, Tyler. What is the right? What should a person do when they walk away? Yeah. Um. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there is a a right answer for what you should do. I mean, that's going to be largely person dependent. I mean, I, I I think you should, uh, you know, continue to 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 work on being the the best version of yourself that you can be, the most authentic version of yourself you can be. I think you should try to walk in the light as, as it were, um, to, to, to develop and grow. And, and, uh, in some cases you may have to work on mending relationships or developing new relationships or, you know, whatever that is Out, outside of just like the general humanity of it. Um, you know, what should you do with regards to study and, and all this kind of stuff? I, I mean, I, I, I get this question a lot of people are like, why are you still talking about it? Why do you even care? A lot of Christians. And a lot of times it's because they don't want to deal with the objections, but there's there's a sense where I'm going to say well because like what I said at the, at the top of the show like it's it's still important it's still interesting it's still important it still has impact on society it's still I, I want to I want to to know and understand um, you know it, it, if it's true I would like to know that if it's not I would like to know that it, you know I would like to understand my neighbors better and my friends and my family better and continue to grow and I just also I, I think it's okay just to find it fascinating um, you know you look at you know, atheist New Testament scholars and Old Testament scholars. I just find it fascinating that the example that I normally give is, you know, someone, uh, you know, someone could be, uh, you know, sold out on the military, you know, come from a military family, love it, thinks it's the best thing in the world, um, all that kind of stuff, st study at the ins and outs of it, all that kind of stuff. They, they could have a change of view and then think that, you know, the military is, uh, you know, you know, military industrial complex and have all kinds of objections to all that kind of stuff but still be fascinated by military history and military strategy and military, you know, it, it, they, 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 it could still be, I, I forget who said it. I think actually, I think Airman said it, um, but he said, you know, you, you, you could still be concerned with truth. Um, and, you know, you could have, you could have, there, there's a reason why there's historians who study Greco-Roman mythology. They don't believe in Zeus. Um, but they still find it fascinating and interesting and, and how it fueled civilization in the past and, and, and how it fueled literature and, and all, and all those kinds of things. And they still have debates about it and discussions about it. It's still interesting. If you, if you still find it interesting and you still find it valuable and you still enjoy the discussions and you still like getting to know people and getting to know different views and, and, and all that, then keep doing that. Keep doing what you enjoy doing. Um, even if other people are like, well, you know. Why do you still Why do you still do it if you don't think it's true? So Dale, I um, I study the Bible more than most Christians, uh, which is ridiculous because I think the Bible is garbage. Uh, I don't think it's a particularly uh, well written book. Uh, I study Paul uh, and talk about Paul and write about Paul because I think he's most uh, maybe the most important influential person in world history. Uh, I think he's had a, a greater impact on the world than almost anyone that I can think of. Uh, I don't think highly of him, but I do think uh, 
he's important. And so I'm probably more of a theologian now than I was when I was a Christian. It just feels a little bit backward, but there's one other aspect to this, and uh, you can speak to this as well, uh, Dale. Uh, I think that a person is never done deconstructing. Uh, I think that deconstruction, this this thing that you know, uh, evangelists do, is a process that um, lives with you. It's like a tumor that you have. It could be benign, but it doesn't go away. Um, and one of the reasons internet atheists are on the internet atheisting, I think, whether we realize it or not, or know it or not, I think it is a part of our ongoing deconstruction and mental well-being process because we have to process it. And it's something that has been so important and big in our lives. You can't just not process it. You can't just pretend like it doesn't exist anymore. Well, I don't believe it anymore, so it's gone. No, it's it's never gone. And, uh, you know, sometimes therapy lasts a lifetime. And I, I think there's a, a certain aspect of ongoing deconstruction and therapy to all of this in addition to the fact that it's 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 just a hobby that we've all developed, but Dale, what what do you think? Uh, what should, uh, in your opinion, uh, you know, what's the best uh, thing for people who no longer believe uh, to to do with themselves? Yeah. So, so in the first place, I I do agree with how Tyler started that there is no one size fits all approach. People are going to be in different states and stuff like that when they lose their faith in in uh christianity in particular or just anything are we talking in general or what well uh, i'd say christianity in, in particular christianity. yeah so okay cool so yeah when you when you lose your christianity that is that is uh probably the most important part of your life at least from the perspective of a of a christian right and when you're coming out of that you're losing a whole bunch of um stuff that is core to who you are. Um, so I think that it depends on what state you're in. For for me, um, I went through a six-month period as an agnostic um, before I uh, finally realized that actually I am a theist and that sort of thing. And that's where I kind of got my meaning. So I, I kind of agree with you that it's always going to be a process of, you call it deconstructing, I would call it constructing. You're looking to construct a worldview, uh, something to replace that important aspect of your life. Okay, how do I make sense of the world? How, uh, what, what am I? What, what is my purpose? Do I even have a purpose and that sort of thing? Um, so I think that that's that's kind of what we what we should do is look un unless you have one hundred percent degree of knowledge that Christianity is false or whatever faith you have is false, you should never be close minded to it. Um, you should always be open to learning, hey, maybe I'm wrong. It's possible I'm wrong and Christianity was right. Um, so you should always be open to that front. And I agree with Tyler that religions in general purport to be the most important truth claim um, that's out there. I, I don't necessarily think that truth of everything is just worthy in and of itself. I, I 
there's a truth about how many sand grains are on the beach. I, I'm not going to be a real seeker. I'm not going to seek out the truth of that. I don't know. I don't care. It's not important. Um, although if somebody wants to figure it out, I'll be like, all right, cool. There's, there's that many grains. Great. Um, but with religions, these purport to give you your ultimate purpose in creation. Uh, it gives you the instructions, presumably, on how you achieve that ultimate purpose and, you know, what the nature of ultimate reality is. And this is why I think there is this duty on us to, unless you're absolutely certain a given religion is false or something, you should be open to learning that that is, is true. I mean, there's literally nothing, your, your wife, your kids, your job, nothing else all else pales in comparison in compared to achieving what you were made or designed to to do uh, in creation. And for that reason, because of these major significance, um, you should be open to learning. Is that true or not? Um, so, yeah, do it, do it in your own time. I mean, like I said, so, sometimes it's a process. It takes you time before you're ready to do that search, but just be a real seeker. If an opportunity comes up, don't be closed to it or don't just dismiss it. Take advantage of those opportunities to learn the truth. Um, yeah. So let's have a round of uh, final thoughts, uh, Tyler, uh, on pretty much all of the shows that uh, I do. There's um, an opportunity for a last word. This is an uninterrupted few moments where you can just say uh, some of the things that uh, maybe you didn't get a chance to say or you know close off some loose ends i'm going to allow you to give your last words last so that you can uh think about what you want to say there i want to start by saying thank you uh, to dale and to tyler for this excellent conversation thank you for the lurkers in the clown car uh you did not disappoint um and um i i am i'm going to think about some stuff uh i think uh but i i can tell you where i am i've written a, a article or two that i haven't put online yet or actually i can't remember what i've put online at this point um probably be online by the time you hear this but i i've been really thinking about where I am in in this whole religious story and I've come to the conclusion that not only do I not consider myself a, a seeker uh, of religion uh, religious truth anymore I just I don't I don't think it's possible for me to be a religious believer anymore I, I just don't think it's possible uh that some of the th things that dale mentioned things like uh ultimate purpose and you know e eternal consequence and things like that i just i don't care about i i don't i don't i don't believe they exist at all i you know philosophically they, they don't make any sense to me uh and so i just i find that i'm over it from that point of view except i'm never fully over it because I'm still having these conversations uh, and doing these shows. And so that might seem like a contradiction in terms, but I, I really am not in any doubt about how I feel about these things. I'm out. I'm 
I'm actually well and truly out. And I think the more I think about it, uh, the reason I continue to do what I do, it's not merely to help other people think about these things as I wish I had thought about them, but I think there is a, a, a sense of therapy to it. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, religious trauma syndrome is a real thing. I think that I probably have it. I should probably see a counselor, probably not going to. Uh, however, uh, maybe uh, some of you other deconverts who find yourself uh, dealing with this and churning through this over the course of your lifetime, counseling may be a good idea. Uh, or maybe you find an outlet uh, online in a community where you can talk about this stuff uh, openly, and maybe that would be enough for you. But I would, I would just say that if you uh, were religious and you are no longer religious for whatever reason, um, and you are listening to this show, you are still deconstructing because otherwise you wouldn't be listening to the show at all. And you should think about what that means for you and your psyche and your mental health. Um, and think seriously about what you should do about that. Maybe you're doing enough. Maybe listening to the show is enough, but maybe there's more. Don't ignore it. Um, I, th I think it's an important signal that, that we should take seriously. Dale, uh, your final thoughts? Oh, uh, well, yeah. So I, I was trying to keep track of the questions. There were a couple questions. I see Tyler's already given his answer, but it looks like they're questions for me. So do you want me to read that? Oh, uh, I tell you what, uh, you know, before you give your final thought, if you want to uh, bring up, I, I meant to give a chance to bring up some of the chat questions. So go ahead and do that. No problem. So, okay. So we got two for me, for me, it looks like, uh, but Tyler spoke to it as well, but okay. So the, f the first one is Brian. We're going back to that uh, Molinism thing. And he's asking, how can I have free will to do something before God creates me uh, and the circumstances of that choice? And um, well, it's, it's to be humorous, look, you exist as a thought in the mind of God. And I guess in God's also causal potential, that's where your free will exists, if it ex if it makes sense to speak that way. But look, it, God, there's a hypothetical, there's a conditional statement, God knows all truths. And that's a truth that God knows, he knows that it's true. If Brian were created, and in this circumstances, he would um, make this choice. So it's, it's not necessarily saying that you actually exist, or your or your will exists and stuff like that. Um, it's just there's this hypothetical statement that's a truth and it that exists in God's mind. He he knows that that's true. That conditional statement's true. Um, and then there's this question Darren brings up about heaven. Uh, okay, so if my Molinistic defeater is is true about getting that end outcome of saving as many souls to be in a state of salvation at the end of the world. Well, how does heaven, how does heaven exist uh, and stuff like that in the meantime? And look, I, I would just say the, the point here is that that what you're calling heaven, that end goal, that state, the end, um, whereby as many souls freely choose to be saved as possible, cannot exist without the preceding antecedent factors and including the fallen world and that sort of thing. It needs all phases of the creation in order to arrive at that end state. You can't just pluck out the fallen world phase of, of the universe or something, and then just have heaven in an isolated state. At least that's 
that's the claim that I'm, I would say, no, that's just impossible to, to happen. You have to go through those growing pains, so to speak, in order to get that, what you're calling heaven state at the end. Uh, yeah. The, and then for my last word, yeah, I just want to say thank you to Tyler for coming on and, and sharing his deconversion story. It's always a pleasure uh, being on a show with him. He's very knowledgeable and he's into philosophy like me. So that's always a, a fun time. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for doing the show. It was fun. Tyler. Uh, I, I don't have any uh, anything really to add conceptually. Just thank you for, for having me on. I, I appreciate it. And uh, we definitely would love to do it again or have uh, any number, any combination of you all on, on the show to talk about some of these topics and, and look forward to continuing the discussion. So thank you. Uh, very much so. And um you know, if it seems like I was a bit mercenary in, in cutting off some conversations, Dale and I, uh, after a reasonable break, are going to do a show on his 11 premise argument. I've been wanting to do this for a while, and uh, I've, I've read his, uh, his larger uh, work, and he often alludes to uh, this, but I know that most people don't know what his 11 premise argument is is and so uh that show is about to happen um so if you listen to this show and you want to go a little bit deeper into what some of dale uh thinks about this stuff uh this was kind of um an introduction it some of these some of the parts of this conversation to that you will hear them again i promise um and uh, so with that, skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com, log in your Discuss account and discuss away. Send me an email if you prefer, uh, skepticsandseekers at gmail.com. Uh, find uh, Dell at Real Seekers. Uh, Real Seekers, is it Real Seekers Ministry? Uh da Okay, Dale, I've, I've forgotten. I thought I knew it. Dale, uh, how do people find you? Uh, Tyler, blog. how do people, okay, there you go. Dale, how do uh, people find you? My blog is so realseekerministries.wordpress.com and on YouTube or Rumble, just like search Real Seekers, plural with an S. Okay, and uh, Tyler, uh, go ahead and plug your uh, show and uh, works again. Yeah, so people can find me um, on the, the Freed Thinker on YouTube, um, the Freed Thinker on, there's a Facebook group, um, and then, um, the blog is the freedthinkerpodcast.blogspot.com. Okay. And, uh, with that, uh, we will see you next time. Bye-bye.